How the president is chosen, explained simply. There's a large misconception that the ticket that receives the majority of votes becomes the commander-in-chief. This is simply not the case. In fact, in 2016, 2000, 1888, 1876, and 1824, the person who didn't get the most votes actually became the president through an incredibly long and complicated process. So, let's simplify it. The first step in choosing the president is choosing which person represents each party. A candidate can either run under a party or run independently. If they choose to run independently, the primary and caucus process is not necessary. Each party usually chooses one candidate to run for their party. To do this, states, counties, districts, and precincts run primaries or caucuses. Primaries are just like what you would think they would be. Each person casts one vote privately. However, caucuses are quite different. Everyone goes to a polling place at a specific time and goes to a different sides of the room based on the candidate they support. Another group is formed with the undecided voters. From there, each group does a mini-debate. They attempt to persuade each other and the undecided voters to go to their side. When all is said and all is done, number on each side is tallied and that is the vote. However, rather than just using the people's vote, delegates are the real voters. The delegates usually vote for whoever the people tell them to. So delegates are a lot more complicated, but for simplicity, you can safely ignore them and say the people pick who is the candidate for each party. So now every party has its candidates. On to the general election. This is where the electoral college comes into play. On the Tuesday following the first Monday of November, everyone heads to the polls. The candidate that gets the most votes in the state gets all of that state's electors. Maine and Nebraska are the only exception to this because they award their electors proportionally. If a candidate wins a state by getting the plurality of votes, the number of electors that state has votes for that candidate that won the state, usually. There are 538 electors. Following election day, the electors meet and count the real votes. I say real because technically the president is decided based on the electors and only the electors. John Smith could win the Electoral College, but if the elector is so pleased to have Alex Brown become the president, Alex Brown will become the president. However, this has never happened before, and although unlikely, it could still happen. However, how is the number of electors decided? Each state gets a number of electors equal to the number of congresspeople they have. The state with the most electors is California, which has 55. The least number of electors a state can have is three. When the electors meet, the candidate who gets 270 votes wins the presidency. Except when no candidate gets 270 votes. Then we complicate things even more. If no candidate reaches 270, the House decides the president out of the top three choices, and the Senate decides the vice president out of the remaining two. This has only happened once in 1824 with John Quincy Adams. Let's recap. The parties choose their candidates via a primary or caucus. Then, people across the nation go to the polls in their state and cast a vote for who they want to be president. The candidate with the plurality of votes receives all of that state's electors. In mid-December, the electors meet and cast their votes for president. Again, the electors usually vote based on who they're supposed to, but occasionally they do not. The person that receives 270 electoral votes becomes the president. This is Simply Explained, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to subscribe. Thank you for listening.